Hey, welcome back to the Comics Syllabus. Today will be an inbox long box episode where we'll look at comics on Substack. Comic Syllabus is a place where um, we look at comics from the angle of education and um, equity and uh, ecology, things that we are all about here. But today, uh, and another thing that we like to do in this podcast is to look at comics that are on Substack. Um, and you can find us on Substack too at comicsyllabus.substack.com if you're finding us through other means if you're a substack subscriber thank you um and uh just for mission clarity what are we doing here i uh, do talk about graphic novels and comics for younger readers and um and in education and i like to go beyond that too because the way that we construct younger readers it's important to me that um, some of those uh, censorship strictures are not so tightly wound around what are you think about and who they are um but uh the other thing that we do is we do this which is to look at uh substack where there's a lot of exciting comics coming out and uh, one of those projects is three worlds three moons which is um a project of jonathan hickman mike del mundo mike huddleston and many other creators artists uh designers world builders letterers colorists an editor. Um, there's a there's a big broad team of folks working on Three Worlds Three Moons, but it's primarily headed by the um, the three headed snake monster. Appropriately three headed, <laughs> threes is the magic number uh, of uh, of Jonathan Hickman, Mike Del Mundo, and Mike Huddleston. So today we'll get into a couple of um, the comics that they've released so far as a way into the worlds that are we're watching being built before our eyes. We'll ask questions about the entire Substack comics reading experience. And um, we'll kind of uh, explore what these worlds, where, where they signal that they're headed. I think it's super fascinating. No way we're going to get this done in one session. We'll uh, keep coming back to this. Um, I don't know. We, we need a name for this. The Pod at Valar. That's, that, was, that was one idea I had. One pod, three worlds, three moons. <laughs> I don't know. I'm workshopping it, y'all. Uh, so, so coming back after the break here to um, dig into fable and ruins and and more. All right, be right back. Thanks for joining along, and please uh, uh, consider supporting the podcast, whether as a newsletter subscriber for free, where you'll get uh, most of the content here. Um, you can also take the podcast, and there's a little, little play this in my podcast app and subscribe in my podcast app, and you can do that too, um, button on the page. Uh, you can also be a paid su- subscriber and um, get even more content, a little extra on top. So... Yeah, so let's let's roll up our sleeves with Three Worlds and Three Moons. Now, when Substack started to announce the various comics endeavors that were coming onto its platform about you know low these nine months ago, the um, the one of the most exciting I think projects um, was Three W Three M, as they call it, um, put together by Jonathan Hickman. Mike Del Mundo and Mike Huddleston, and you know a few things about the context. This is probably known to many of you, but um, Jonathan Hickman had been writing fairly high on the um, huge splash in comics that um, he and other creators were making 
with the dawn of X, house of X, powers of X, reign of X, many, many things of X, this sort of re-envisioning of the X-Men world around um, heroes and villains from mutantdom coming together to form the nation of Krakoa and um, all kinds of just um, game-changing scenario switches that really altered um, the whole mutant landscape. So it's a big part of Marvel. It's a big part of comics. And with, um, you know, the, the Fox acquisition by Disney, um, what, Mar- what mutant stories happen now in the comics portend what might be the, the things that show up in the, you know, the films in the larger cinematic universe in, uh, in five, ten years. So, so it's all pretty big stakes <laughs> as far as comics go. Um, with that big splash that Jonathan Hickman as main architect was making, um, one one thought that um, they they would be he would be riding high on that, and and so it was rather abrupt and pretty newsworthy when um, he announced that he was tailing off his work at Marvel, and um, of course with such a scenario, you wonder you know is he unhappy, or uh, and I'm sure there was some kind of um, editorial differences and story differences and so on, but for the most part it seemed to be non-acrimonious that parting and so what where 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 (laughs) where could you be going jonathan uh what could be that next project that entices and pulls you away as it turns out substack this um mostly writing platform uh silicon valley type money investment was um pouring a ton of resources and when i say a ton of resources i mean you know in uh in internet startup terms, a pittance, <laughs> a fraction of a fraction. But compared to the, you know, the kinds of um, uh, salaries, upfronts that are dangled in front of most comics creators, pretty lucrative and hard to turn down. So I don't know those exact numbers, of course. Um, Hickman actually has been the one that I've seen who's been the most kind of upfront about about what those resources are and, and what um, they in particular at Three World Three Moons are using them for, but um, but basically creators were given kind of carte blanche, you know, blank check to to really make what they want to make. And so out of the minds of Hickman and uh, Mike Huddleston, recently Hickman's creative partner on um, on the Image series Decorum, uh, which ended at a seven issue run. Uh, and Mike Del Mundo, um, both both artists who um, tremendously good at creating painting painting um, worlds of um, fantasy and sci-fi and so on, uh, joined together, started to recruit all kinds of big names, writers who helped to conceive the world, artists who would contribute and pitch in um, with some some amount of, of art artistic work. Um, designer Sasha Head, letterers like Russ Wooten, colorists like, you know, Frank Martin and, and many others. And soon we had a whole huge crew and then and then the Substack launched and um, and for a while it was like where where's the comics? <laughs> for a while it was definitely like, okay, we got a lot of excitement. We got a lot of long info pages as hickman is wont to do and we have a lot of world building happening we have even fun events where you get to you know hang out and draw and watch uh, watch the artists draw and 
and you know chat questions at them and stuff like that but where's the comics um and they seemed at first to come out sort of in a trickle but they've picked up some steam and we've seen more and more and now i haven't been able to even keep up uh not as a reader i've been reading everything as it comes out um it's it's not at that fast a pace yet but i haven't been able to comment on it so now i want to start that here i want to start following the development of these three worlds and three moons um and continue to think about what that project represents um and what you know what it's like to see behind the scenes and in front of the scenes <laughs> to see the scenes of these of this you know big mega sci-fi fantasy world being built um it's just been super fascinating, actually, as an experience. Um, it's There's something about Jonathan Hickman's writing that uh, works really well for this format, um, which not everything, I think, as in, in, in the world of Substacks comics has quite found the same rhythm and voice. And, and, and I'll explain what I mean. Many of the um, comics Substacks that I've been following and some I've been writing about and... Uh, you know, if anyone out there has been has signed up for the Comics Syllabus Substack because they really wanted to follow Comics Substacks, would you let me know? <laughs> because I got to be honest, there was a time a few months back when I started to say, okay, I'm going to do this thing. I don't know how many of these comics are really being covered in depth out there in the comics media landscape. So let me go deep and start you know, and when I started regularly posting these kind of longer analyses and reviews, I actually lost a couple of subscribers, <laughs> which maybe was just mission creep, because what am I doing here? I thought that I was signing up to support a podcast where Paul, an English educator, talks about comics and comics in the classroom and stuff like that. And instead, we were talking about Substack comics. So you know, maybe that's what happened. Um, and so I don't know of, of the not large number of listeners and followers out there, how many of you are actually interested in these Substack comics. And if you are, drop me a line, you know, add a comment or, you know, holler at me through <laughs> Twitter or an email or whatever to let me know that this is um, interesting material to you. I try to talk to y'all who may have an interest, um, even if you're not like, I'm in, I've subscribed count me as a founder for <laughs> three worlds three moons i want to talk um generally and then also dive into specifics so that if you are neck deep in the worlds and moons uh you might actually draw derive some some benefit and pleasure from from this conversation but i think um back to hickman and um, del mundo and huddleston this particular creative trio um, which of course is not limited to them you now have Stephen Wacker as an editor. You have, wow, just this long list of contributors to the world building from your um, Al Ewings and Ron V's and, and Teen Howards to artists like um, like Justin Howard. I just realized that's another Howard. And uh, Christian Ward and, um, uh, did I say Justin Howard? I meant Jason Howard, sorry. <laughs> and Stephen Green and Jeremy Hahn and uh, Valentin Delandro, Christian Donaldson, Langdon Foss, you know, that's, and, and, and an ever expanding sort of, um, uh, you know, stable of, of creators who are involved. As I mentioned before, Sasha Head designing and stuff like that, Hickman designing. Um, but, but this core trio, this core Del Mundo Huddleston and Hickman trio, I think their gifts, I think what they did is they found a project 
that matches their gifts particularly well. And I think the best of these Substacks, comics Substacks, um, do that. Um, they find a way to make their particular voice work in this particular format. And I think there's just been a great synchronicity with Three Worlds, Three Moons. Uh, reasons why. I mean, Hickman as a comics writer has always been kind of a master of the six-page set piece. You know, everything that Hickman writes from, you know, your East of West to your, you know, Avengers and Fantastic Four, you know, big mounting things that grow into these gigantic events um, and things like that, you know, are built on these um, kind of, uh, you know, hopping around to different scales of magnitude in six page or so chunks. And then the info page, you know, you get like six pages, four pages, seven pages, you know, and then an info ch- an info page or something like that. Those white backdrops, you know, minimalistly designed, um, you know, pieces of supposedly real artifacts of, of, of text where uh, you, you, you sort of get a little glimpse of the world. Uh, and sometimes it's crucial to understanding the story and sometimes it's just kind of a peripheral fun thing. But uh, anyway, Hickman writes that stuff so well and guess what that stuff also lends itself really well to a uh you know once a week post where you get to sort of just kind of unpack that that little that little um that little chunk that little set piece and that that info page and it's you know and i feel like hickman as a, a an artist you know with the actual artists like um there's a huge landscape in mind but very selective about the moment, the particular interaction, the the slice of this gigantic world. So so much is you know as is the sort of gift of comics suggested or hinted at, and you sort of need to fill in a lot of details with your mind. And some of it is explicitly written out, you know, or, or referred to in the info pages. But there's still a lot left to the imagination. And I think. Um, Hickman's works tend to really ride on this storytelling sort of truism that, you know, that worlds are so much more exciting when your imaginations fill them out and all the artist or a storyteller needs to do is gesture in those directions. And there's a lot of that going on in um, Three Worlds, Three Moons, a lot of gesturing at this directions and then letting us sort of fill it in. Along with this um, band of creators and uh, increasingly... It, it's it's been promised uh, um, with the involvement of um, of the uh, the the sort of supporting subscriber community, um, you know, contributing to deciding about the, the this 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 big world. So it's all fun to me. I think it's super interesting, um, and um, and with you know creators coming aboard just to keep on name dropping, like Vanessa Del Rey and Andy Kuhn and, and Nimit Malavia. You know, the worlds and the moons <laughs> just keep getting bigger. I think it's exciting. Um, I think it's an interesting way to go about this project. Now, uh, by contrast, um, some of the other comic substacks that have, to me, worked really well have uh, also ha- have been uh, more narrow in scope. Narrow is not the right word. More, I think, specific, more personal. And I think those work really great too. It's a very different kind of space to be in Molly Knox Ostertag's In the Telling or to be in um, Jeff Lemire's Tales from the Farm or to be in um, 
James Tinian the Fourth, Empire of the Tiny Onion, just to name a few. You know, um, I think Chip Zdarsky's Substack is working really well. These are all ones that I think are just been, have been super successful. The um, I found this on the, the <laughs> Why, why is my, my watch talking to me? The Magusplaining uh, Extra newsletter has been super great. And for those who like this sort of thing, the KLC Press, the Kids Love Chains, um, Stegman, and um, Donny Cates thing has been really active and productive and pretty cool. And, you know, I just got to give my shout outs to Kelly Thompson's and, and Rodney Barnes's and, and other substacks. Um, but what is it about the Three Worlds, Three Moons thing that works so well? Because, you know, among all these Substack projects, I think this one really is working for me. And I think it's a combination of the the small-scale storytelling, which is, you know, summed up or represented by those six-page-ish set pieces plus info page things that hint at the broader worlds and moons. <laughs> and I think it's the... Um, it's the kind of fascinating behind-the-scenes peak. And those are the things, I think, that um, match well with what Substacks offer, you know? If you're not going to drop 30 pages of comics once a month, if you're going to give us maybe serialized every week or every other week, 8, 10 pages or so, let each one have the ability to really live on its own and let you stew and ruminate in it, you know? If you're going to give us behind-the-scenes things and events, um, let it be fascinating uh, for those who are really here for the story and the experience of getting immersed in a world. Um, others that aren't doing that aren't necessarily uninteresting or, or bad, but I just think that focusing their work at the Three Worlds, Three Moons substack on you know, drawing out this bigger world, this bigger universe, I should say, is um is is just super smart and a bright brilliant way to capitalize on the affordances of of this Substack newsletter format. So it's been it's been super cool. Um, that in spite of some hiccups, um, some of the things that Three Worlds Three Moon has done really well is <laughs> this seems like such a simple thing, but an index page. Uh, I'll link it in the. The show notes here because it's invaluable one page where they grouped together here's all the comics here's all the background stuff here's all the fun events that we've held you know and just grouping those together and making them accessible um because i have to say when the substack enterprise began with comics um one of the exciting announcements was an integrated app panels and although panels you know every every app has hiccups it's okay i definitely have a lot of toleration for that. You know, the, the test of time has shown, though, that Panels isn't yet working as an app because unless I read the the comic, you know, import it into Panels, read it right away, there's no way I'm able to find... <laughs> um, the, you know, what, what I guess I would assume or hope for is that, okay, if I diligently, every time I get a new thing pop up in my inbox or, or um, you know, a new comic update from James Tynan or from, you know, um, Joanne Starr and Carter Randolph or whatever, if I just tap on the panels integration, then the comic will download, it will open in, in the panels app. So far, so good. It does that. 
and it would somehow locate the others, the other earlier chapters, and put them in a series with clear labels and so on, so that I could just catch up on the last, say, three chapters of Sirens of the City that I haven't read um, very clearly and, and nicely laid out in a library on panels. Nope, not, not possible. One, when I import into panels, um, for some reason, every the cover page, the sort of cover thumbnail, uh, it seems to um, either not appear or it has everything that's downloaded from the same substack match with each other, which is um, not helpful for distinguishing one chapter or another. And then the titles of the files are just this gobbledygook of letters and numbers. And so they are just sorted and, and arranged and, and impossible really to find. I just, you have to tap them open, see if it's labeled. <laughs> with, with any luck, it they are. Usually they're not. You know, if it's James Tynan's Blue Book, then yes, it says Chapter 7, but um, maybe you opened the right one, maybe not. Um, yeah, the panel's library integration with Substack has, has been no bueno. And so I've basically found that the, the easiest way to read them is either on a tablet or on my, on my um, laptop on the web and just kind of, you know, tapping, clicking over to the page, reading a chapter at a time. Um, so, so given that... Um, some of the substacks have been better than others at um, you know organizing their stuff. And so three worlds, three moons, putting that that index page has been great. Um, you know we're not doing we're doing one uh, long mega meta universe thing. We're not um, doing a bunch of uh, you know uh, chapters that are supposed to be strung together into a longer story. Um, for great examples of people doing that latter thing really well, I, I would point in the telling i think jeff with with a uh, molly knox ostertag i think jeff lemire's fish flies is also doing a admirable job of organizing all that stuff um as well um anyway <laughs> back to three worlds three moons i i just think it's having that index page is so clear makes it all so readable especially given that um what you have is like a possible diffusion of voices diffusiveness of voices and um and i think a few weeks ago stephen wacker was brought on board to three worlds three moons to sort of uh, do some editor type work and what exactly an editor does for a comic book or a comics project like this um isn't abundantly clear to everyday readers but in a in in something like this which is as open-ended and um and involves so much of the formative stuff and some of that glue is missing that is usually there um, in the templates of what is published in a 22 page comic monthly or whatever um, you, you kind of see that what's missing and you know you can still see the seams a little bit but you can also see where where Steve Steve Wacker is kind of step Stephen Wacker is stepping up as an editor to to put some cohesiveness on it um, and it is something that needs cohesiveness because man is it widespread man is it like universe sized and is it and is it really all over the place so in these um three worlds three moons reviews i think eventually i'd like to touch on um some of the text pieces the world building pieces the three essays or the dialogue pieces that you know um jonathan hickman wrote with teeny howard let's say about um whatever religion or economics or or um politics or whatever um or or you know whatever they crafted with al ewing and with um, rom v and so on like i'd love to get into some of that world building stuff 
But um, to start off with, you know, kind of here for the comics. So I want to start with the comics. And so what I want to do today is dig into, we'll see how far we get, um, some of the comics that they've released, um, especially ones that are available to, uh, to anyone, not necessarily just subscribers, but I also want to get into some of the premium content, the subscriber content. And while we read these, you know, to kind of recap what's going on, to gain an understanding of these worlds and moons that, uh, and what exactly kind of story we're telling, and um, the intrigue of this bigger world, this bigger universe that's being created, and then to reflect a little bit on the, I guess, the, the gifts of science fiction storytelling, the gifts of speculative fiction, the gifts of world building. Um, because it's there's so many ways where um, they are building on past templates but trying to create something of the moment you know there's a lot of genre uh, tropes but how they're being employed and negotiated and 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 utilized in three worlds three moons is at least interesting um, but I think it's super telling about some of the quandaries of this kind of storytelling in these times, as well as some of the potentialities, the things that draw us and make us enjoy them and love these kinds of stories. Uh, and we get to do it while, um, you know, seeing glimpses of how these creators are thinking and processing other influences. You know, we do get to get to read the comics being made and the world being built while we listen to Hickman talking to your Grant Morrisons or your, you know, whomever <laughs> that is a subject of an interview, uh, we get to watch Dune or <laughs> or uh, The Arrival or whatever with the crew as they're kind of taking in the, um, the influences of these, you know, major uh, films that provide these, these kind of templates. Um, the, the possibilities within the, the tropes and the elements. And I guess I've, I've come to really fancy world building stuff and sci-fi stuff in a way that I, I, that has been a second language for me because I've always been a fan of um, stories that really build on uh, relationships and emotion and, and love literary fiction and, and, and realistic fiction and, and that kind of a thing. And I was the, the kid who, um, you know, if there was a genre, it was it was crime and mystery because there's something very grounded about that. You know, my, my favorite superheroes when I was a kid were the ones that had no powers. Um, but, you know, it, as I as I get older and, and um, as I think our world has a different role for speculative fiction, one where the need for imagination and fantasy to apprehend the dark, the darkness of very apocalyptic apocalyptic times or um, the, the need for um, speculative fiction and fantasy and, and superpowered stories to uh, fill our minds and hearts with possibilities um, against the constraints of a very, um, you know, sort of the, these oppressive regimes of the world. Uh, it's the thing that made Jonathan Hickman's storytelling at Marvel and DC, mostly Marvel, I guess, uh, so interesting to someone like Tanahasi Coates, when um, Coates, before he was writing at Marvel, um, was just you know a, a test, attesting to comics being this 
important literary influence in his early life. Um, it was this scale of world building and what you could do with it to imagine societies, futures, um, systems, institutions, um, things bigger than just, um, uh, you know, a, a couple of people, um, and yet still have it really relate to, connect to individual uh, relationships and uh, stuff like that. So all that to set up for what the first two volume, the first two comics, I don't know what to call them, the first two installments, the first two drops of um, of Three Worlds, Three Moons that we got in comics form. And that was Fable um, by Mike Huddleston, Letters in Design by Jonathan Hickman, and then Ruins by Mike Del Mundo and Mike Huddleston, Letters by Russ Wooten and, uh, and all that. So we'll get into that first now. All right, let's do it. So the first comic um, that dropped is Fable. And um, I'm just opening it up now, as well as my notes, <laughs> to make sure that it's, it's, uh, I'm talking about the right thing. Um, Fable is, um, is drawn by Mike Huddleston, uh, one of the, the holy trinity of three worlds. <laughs> one of the founders along with, no, no, founders is not the right word, because founders is, the, is a subscription level think uh it really one of the um one of the three you know so uh, um uh and fable is um I, I think has the maybe the first image that we were really teased with uh with three world three moons um and much of the imagery that since then you know we've been kind of building out um from and appropriately enough the first image, uh, one that I think they, they released some videos or actually maybe some process pieces about the particular design of this first image was the rock at Valar. Um, rock <laughs> is, uh, suggests something geographic, but we see, of course, in, the first, in that first huge image, a combination of geography and residence, um, a rock that is an island, um, a rock that has vegetation, there's a, something that seems beyond our, um, seems outside of our world, but really um, matches our world, something futuristic in this building that has a lot of windows, um, and <laughs> but layered among this huge rock and, and the outgrowth of forestry above it that's sitting in, in, as a kind of island. Um, and then at Valor, we see what we will see throughout, which is, a word that has a, a name that has a kinship to our names and our words. And again and again, we'll see this in, in Three Worlds, Three Moons. So what speculative and sci-fi fantasy stuff often does is we'll take something that's very near, very proximate to our world, but um, with that little bit of difference, you know. Uh, they should have called it Three Moons or something. Three M-O-I-U-O-N-S. <laughs> but just just kidding i'm just but that that kind of proximate to our our names and and worlds but uh, you know a little split difference that suggests an alternate universe or a different time or whatever and so um and and valar sounds like a name sounds like valor <laughs> v-a-l-o-r sounds like um something with a bit a, a bit of nobility or royalty to it 
um, you must have some kind of status to uh, have a rock named after your family name. <laughs> and so at the same time that there's this in this opening image, striking image, um, which uh, looks like a, like it'd be a, a wonderful procreate drawing lesson as well. Um, we also see a bit of word balloons that say, read it again, Popple. One more time. You know, Popple being another one of those, I, there's got to be a name for it, those near near names, you know. I'll call them near names, you know. Um, I don't know of a specific culture that uses Popple for, uh, for dads, and yet we all know exactly what that, that colloquialism would mean. The word bubble denotes a kid asking their uh, dad or parent figure to read one more time something super familiar something in a world that is also has many familiar elements uh with something a little weird <laughs> and that's what this all is you know it's it's weirding the familiar and um familiarizing the weird and then in the second page of fable we meet this kid in a helmet uh a super cool helmet when I saw this image, I was really reminded of some of the aesthetics of um, Sea of Stars, which is, um, uh, you know, a, a project uh, with, uh, who, who, who was involved in Sea of Stars? Let me Google that real quick. Um, but it's definitely a Jason Aaron and, um, and, uh, and uh, uh, <laughs> I'm going to have to edit this out for sure. <laughs> Dennis Hallam, that's right. That was the other writer. Um, but drawn by Stephen Green. Uh, with Rico Renzi art too um, but uh, Sea of Stars is imagery of sort of space kid and sp and space kid's dad floating through space it wasn't a huge landmark comic uh, you know but it was something whose visuals sort of spoke to where I feel like the vein of stories and storytelling that's coming from these prominent um, independent creators who hover between know big two commercial comics and, and their own independent projects really wants to live right now um it's a little bit of it's a little bit zeitgeisty i feel like for the imagination of a kid to be the pure thing that's that you can build and anchor things on um it's the rock at valor <laughs> the rock at valor is this dad who um you know with all kinds of warmth and and playfulness is reading to their kid of course what he's reading is looks basically like the three worlds three moons source book <laughs> available now to folks who subscribe at the founders level um <laughs> but um yeah it, it, and they start off by reading even though it's bedtime the um the beginning of this magical book that really has this what is it a prophecy maybe or is it's um it's an incantation in rhyme it's the um preamble the prologue to the the mythology of this world you know uh, uh the the father who we found out of course later is is tajo valor tajo tajo valor says tahoe <laughs> um, says can you remember how it starts and, and the kid says yeah there are many stars in the sky, little gods whose children dance around them. Tajo continues, the sacred ring, three worlds, and three moons. And then they go into each one. 
Fiery and its sun, Air. Fiery is the hot planet close to the sun, and Air is the moon attached to it. And then Akva, which is the one, the planet that's the world that's on its own, and that's where the core is located, K-H-O-R, which is the sort of the spice um, from Dune, or uh, what is it called in in Star Wars universe? Oh yeah, spice. <laughs> it's the sort of like substance that is part magical, you know, magic fairy dust, part um, addictive drug, part, you know, uh, petroleum, economic driver, potentially dangerous, much fought over. We'll get to Kor. Um, but Kor lives on Akva, which is the quote unquote mother world. All fiery is the father world. Uh, and then there's Terra, T H E R R A. Again, one of those near names which I think is supposed to be most Earth-like of the worlds, and has two moons um, next to it, the two moons being Chaoso and Ordo, which not until I said them aloud that I realized that they were meant to resemble Chaos in order. But there you have it. Um, and so as they're continuing to read, there's our world, Terra, and its twin moons, Chaoso and Ordo, from which comes all myth and legend and hopes and dreams. Then Tajo turns to the the child and says and now say now the words will you say them with me yes till ancient secret till ancient's secrets blind the sky bondage lunage number try when truth is known to all below through fire water wind and snow the ancients sing they give us signs of circle forms and all the lines that's great all right go to bed <laughs> that's what happens next <laughs> um so, but you know, th- there's the. Uh, so, what, what, what do I want to say about Fable? The beginning of the book really embeds um, this broader mythology um, while puts a couple characters into motion into the sort of um, belief system slash story world uh, slash um, imagination and, you know, reality of, of a kid, grounding it there in the kinds of stories that a a parent passes on to children and a conception a narrative conception of this world with all of the magic and mystery behind it and um, we get plenty of uh, suggestions because the same moment that Tajo Valar is putting um, you know his his child to bed he's asking uh, you know or he's telling the child his child how long he's going to be gone and it turns out um, he is going to explore these vast worlds that's why he's in a spacesuit and that's why his his kid is wearing the spacesuit our ship will arrive at the outpost early tomorrow morning once we land we're supposed to spend three days in the academy ruins and then a few days later we're on the next flight back <laughs> when a parent ch- promises a child that they're going to be on the next flight back uh you can bet that uh that will at least be put to the test or it will sadly not happen, and all of our hearts will be broken. Um, that's a full expectation. And then the closing image is, again, one that um, adorned a lot of Three Worlds, Three Moons, um, early press and print stuff, which is the the kid with that space helmet staring off into the space out there, which uh, you can see the shadow of another moon. Uh, the shadow, I assume, of Ordo and Chaoso. The two moons that that um, circumvent uh, Terra. 
then it ends, ends, ends with, he never came home. <laughs> Tajo Valar never comes home. Uh, that story about where Tajo Valar went and why he never came home gets unpacked in the next uh, section, Ruins. But before we go there, just to, to linger a little bit, you know, um, uh, much part of the tradition of fantasy and sci-fi stories to begin with the prophecy incantation um, much repeated um, sort of uh, you know words of of belief um, my daughter uh, is <laughs> is right now super sad because it seems maybe to be the end of the wings of fire series which is kind of the hot you know middle grade um, fantasy talking dragons series <laughs> talking dragons who sound like sarcastic teenagers um introduction to the worlds of fantasy that um, many young young readers are super into and that um series each five book arc is really kind of hinged on a prophecy and the way that prophecy does and doesn't come true that plays a big role in the stories not to give anything away in case you want to read wings of fire one day to come um but just that's just a reminder of what we've seen in you know tolkien and, and 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 you name it you know wheel of time um uh, and and starting off with those words that are you know practically scriptural um, uh, is an important uh, dimension of building this kind of world because while we will get into and while there's a whole lot of the old um, you know what's the economics how does magic work what are the religions uh, how you know what? What are the natural resources? Um, who are the the dueling and warring parties and so on? All of that is huge to world building. Starting with fable, really anchors in myth and anchors in um, in these originary stories. And I think if you're going to be involved in the work of story building, of world building and universe building, then this is where you really ground it, right? Um, but hinted at along with this this mythology is this um is this reality is this work that has to be done where you know tajo valar makes allusions to um their child that they're gonna go have to go on this institute expedition to academy ruins and you know it, immediately whatever the there's this allusion to <laughs> institute you know, to institutions, to to these um, uh, these established uh, structures of human self-organization, right? And then the expeditions that are about human um, mapping, human uh, cartography, human uh, you know uh, discovery, um, management, settlement, uh, colonization, right? And academy really r- resonating with all of the sense of you know, again, those institutions and structures of shared knowledge and, um, and, and, you know, professionalization and creation of, of roles and classes and so on. And then the ruins, uh, uh, that, that there's things past and, you know, post-disaster learnings from society, you know, ground, I, I, I name this because I think what the creators are doing here is very tightly again in this six-ish page <laughs> set piece putting together the intimacy of family the role in within that intimate family bond of shared mythology and belief and then the allusion to these larger 
human institutions or I don't know personalized institutions that set the story at the level of you know civilizations and and societies and their goals and their and their um, together struggle for survival. Um, then we get some info pages, and here's where we find out, you know, after the 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 sort of you know hard tease at the end that he never returns, that Doctor Tajo Valar and Doctor Ski Deski and Doctor Reckon Madre and Doctor Ul Bakari are on this mission uh, to um, uh, to uh, explore this expedition into the academy ruins but they never make it there and uh you know all kinds of names are dropped and places where the bodies recovered we see this sort of this map trail where they they reach all these places on the way to the academy ruins and never quite make it there and then we see a timeline a timeline you know uh, hickman's so good at making those timelines these teases into what's to come and we find out something about an apostate prince and um and evacuating chaoso because uh, uh something has changed in the air and uh you know people who are there discovering must be quarantined etc yeah lots of as i said earlier gesturing at the bigger world to come um all packed so neatly into Again, this small set piece and a few info pages hinting and gesturing toward this bigger, broader world. Worlds. Moons. <laughs> Beautifully drawn. Beautifully drawn by Mike Huddleston. Um, I think some of the optics, the visuals, the color palette of these pages... Um, were uh, you know were especially exciting so Huddleston's got this great penchant for um, these colors that exude both um, comfort and strangeness to come back again to my thesis about <laughs> the near names and familiar yet strange and strange yet familiar there's a glow in the bedroom of um, Tajo Valar and uh, and his child reading together and imagining these worlds. It's this greenish, yellowish puce <laughs> that, and I think you know, I think the dynamics are mostly that this kid is sleeping uh, uh, behind their headboard is this incredible aquarium, <laughs> and so that aquarium with these swimming fish and coral and stuff like that radiates this kind of yellowy green um, color uh, and it reflects off of, of the, uh, you know, the helmet and stuff like that. But it, it's this weird, very natural, but kind of um, with a little bit of something almost magical that the deep undersea tends to give off, you know, something really unknown, um, something to be discovered. Uh, and then in later pages, you know, when lights are off, we, we then are sort of thrown into a little glimpse of the expedition. And that landscape, similar to the rock at Valar, um, uses this, um, this set of colors that have this wonderful clash about them that, uh, like, like the, the sort of tawdry fantasy novel, and I don't mean that in a pejorative sense, I just sort of mean in the, the paperback um, you know, art of a fantasy book cover 
you know, it just really gives off this, this red that's redder than it should be and the deep greens that are greener than they should be and, and teal rivers that, um, that suggest this uh, wildness about these worlds, um, which indeed they're, they're meant to be. Uh, that coupled with the super serene purple-pink um, skyline that's in the first and last panels. And you have woven together kind of the, the, the on one hand, the security of family, the, the sanctity of home and, and, and kinship, um, but always suffused with the, the dancing promises of a wider you know, universe out there of strangeness and danger and wonder. And, uh, whew, and that's three worlds, three moons, right? Isn't it? <laughs> so Fable did it all, and it did it all in a, in a powerful punch. Um, all right, let's get into let's get into uh, ruins, and we haven't even talked about duels. I think that's all we're gonna get to tonight. I think we're just gonna get through ruins. Maybe I'm gonna put out this episode, and then you're gonna come back. You're gonna <laughs> spread the word about comic syllabus, um, reading Substack comics, and uh, trying to read deep in uh, in in Three Worlds, Three Moons, and and much else. And uh, and you'll join, and, and you'll you'll uh, subscribe, and you're, you'll tell your friends, and then more folks will will join. That make me feel like this this work is is truly truly wonderful and worth it. And uh, I'd love your feedback. Commenters are welcome if you are a paid subscriber and supporter. And let's form a little reading community together around this. Okay, a little pause, and then we get into ruins. All right, and Ruins, um, I, I, should, I should say when these came out. I think Ruins came out Jan- January 31st of this past year. Um, the, uh, the Rocket Valor, no, Fable, uh, released, dropped August 24th, 2021. <laughs> wow. So, so Fable was the first thing that we got. Ruins is, uh, is, uh, is later. <laughs> um, so Ruins uh, really kind of, fills in the 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 story uh that was really suggested at the end of fable and it actually begins we see um quite solitary looking tajo valar um now in a, a little bit more of a, a suited and uh, and sort of painted form sitting on one of those um weird uh environments these weird geographies that are clearly alien um sort of writing in the air in um a language of the three worlds three moons but you know in the caption boxes we see the letter that he's writing dearest helena you're angry with me and i don't blame you i hope you know by now i would never intend to break a promise to you but still i have i told you i would be home by now and yet the mission continues (laughs) i gotta say something about the grandiosity of hickman's language um hmm, how do i say this one of my favorite writers is Dostoevsky, and I used to, you know, with no familiarity at all in Russian, I had no idea whether it was the translator or or Dostoevsky himself who would write in the way that he did. So I was really counting on, you know, critical and second secondhand um, kind of responses. And I was confused because some would say Dostoevsky writes every character to sound the same, which I presume is how Dostoevsky sounded (laughs) and others would say that each character is drawn so distinctly 
including through their dialogue, that um, they had, they would be unmistakable even if they weren't attributed. Which character, which brother, Karamazov or whatever, a quote would come from. So, also confused. Does this person make everybody sound the same, or does this does this person you know write everybody uh, with their own voice and you know, I, I think I've come to realize um, in, in you know, post a period of obsessively reading Dostoevsky and then reading similar translators with, um, with different, different authors that it's kind of both that, um, <laughs> that there are certain language patterns and rhythms that uh, Dostoevsky seemed to write in that were um, more widely applied than probably in normal human discourse. <laughs> That's why in some ways many people sound the same. But the, the motivations and the drives, and maybe more importantly, the ways that each character sits in a different you know, place in a kind of dialogical relationship with the others makes each of them very, very distinct. I think Hickman is, uh, well, I'm not necessarily saying Hickman is Dostoevsky, Maybe he is our comics Dostoevsky, <laughs> but he's the similar in that you can you can always tell when you're reading a Hickman book. Um, there's the same. Everybody has the same kind of grandiose language, uh, which is not to say that it's um, you know florid or or excessive. It's always um, very finely tuned. Um, but it's funny they all sound. They have the same sort of like megaphone of import um to, to that language and and hickman also tends to use the um object pronouns in in positions where it should be the sub no vice versa that he tends to use subject pronouns in places that should be object pronouns and it's funny because it doesn't matter if it's you know um the leader of 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 china or or an alien from outer space they all have the same sort of grammatical tick. Anyway, <laughs> um, here you have it. Tajo Valar writing to Helena um, with that same portent, ambiguity. There's a lot of vagueness in, um, in the Hickman voice. Uh, that's what I'll call it, the Hickman voice. There's a lot of intentional ambiguities. Um, but that some things are kept hidden so that other things can be revealed. How does that sound? Does that sound Hickmanish? Um, and what what is revealed here is that this this team, this expeditionary team, led by Doctor Tajo Valar, but with Ski to Ski, who is uh, cataloging, you know, um, vegetation, and Rekun Madre, who is um, who is studying and dissecting all kinds of um, animal life, and then Ul Bakari, who is looking at language and markings. They are exploring. Um, and they're they're doing the expeditionary thing, and um, you know you have the names of again many near names uh, along this place that they're exploring. I think this place is must be the first place that they landed when they were all together, which is actually listed on the last info page. Watch me do some cross referencing with info pages. Dang, they first are at Black Arbar, and uh, as we found out at the last info page at the end of Fables that they um, begin, they leave for Riranta base, and uh, on, on uh, I don't know where they are, are they on Terra? And then they wind up at Black Arbar, <laughs> where two bodies, Disky and Bakaris, were recovered, and so we know they're not gonna make it, even if we don't see it. Um, 
by the end of this. They're exploring this unfamiliar place, this cavernous and very full of reds, oranges, and, and greens, and yellows that um, give off that sort of mystical vibe, mystical and yet natural vibe that I was talking about earlier. Um, uh, Hickman and Del Mundo both have this ability to use, I assume it's all digital media, but it has the likeness of all kinds of, um, of physical media that really scream, that give off both the fantasy vibe and a sense of a dusty, mystical, uh, quite unknown and quite um, deep, you know, uh, deeply drawn or alluded at um, natural escape uh, scope. <laughs> um, so th- here they go, you know, uh, dis- against the warnings of his colleagues, Tajo Valar keeps telling them to push further to make this discovery um, because if Ewell's translations are correct, forgiveness and permission will be one and the same. Again, words that explain nothing, <laughs> but have that that aura of profundity that make us just accept it. Um, it all of this, by the way, the fantasy trappings, the, uh, the artistic style, the hints at worlds, um, the, uh, the language, both overblown and, and saying much, but, but maybe saying very little as well. I, I'm not criticizing any of it, to be very clear. I actually think that they're, these creators and this team are pretty masterful at the art of what speculative work is supposed to do, which is to, um, again, gesture at a great unknown that our imaginations have to fill in. And, um, you know, there's a tedium when you explain everything, when it's so much better storytelling to let it be discovered just like as these um, these expeditionary explorers are discovering, that's the idea. So so, <laughs> I I I'm I'm not mocking any of it. I'm actually trying to break down and trying to um, to to make sense of how this works so well. Um, interestingly, this is unprecedented. This is wondrous. This is what is this? <laughs> um, and then, uh, you know, this is called the Temple of Veils. It's called in the Apocrypha of Chaoso. Again, uh, a sense of um, redolent of ancient scriptures combined with modern science, um, presence of magic. And then Recon takes off his mask in order to breathe and his face disappears. And then they're chased by a face-stealing monster of some kind <laughs> with purple teeth um plenty of action lots of um mysterious words i see you birth and death and all life between you you are not wanted here etc <laughs> and then at the end uh, a beautiful splash page literally a splash because um tajo valars appears to fall into um a, a giant pool of of pink liquid um and then uh and then we get wow three three uh creatures <laughs> this is also very Hick- hickmanian you know this is once upon a time the black order or the uh the illuminati i don't know <laughs> but some sort of cadre cabal council of um of very interesting looking figures 
Uh, one that looks like three headlights <laughs> across a horizontal row. One that looks like a brain in a jar. And one that looks like a organic cone head. <laughs> and there before a uh, priest with a deer's head and body. Uh, I remember one of the um, sessions of drawing and chatting with uh, Hickman and Del Mundo. And Del Mundo was drawing this deer priest character. Um, with, again, more mystical, prophetic... Um, you know, they're looking at an oracle, seeing Tajo Valar falling into this pink water. And meanwhile, the wild and woolly colors, part organic, part magical. Um, the, the language quite florid in its, uh, <laughs> in its um, allusions to death and judgment and, and magic and visions. And, and I don't know what's going on. And that's okay. That's totally okay. <laughs> um, and then we cut then after that um that scene full of of portent uh on whatever mystic land then we cut to uh back to terra back to that child to the valar child who wakes up screaming and uh their their eyes pink they're muttering something in the uh in a kind of some some somnambulance <laughs> uh sibling comes in says what's well, he screamed what happened I saw Papo, Opal. I saw him falling. He's lost. We have to tell someone. And then there's some reassurance and comfort. And then the older sibling uh, says, Hey, if if Dad's gone, it's okay. I, I'm going to go find him. <laughs> um, I, I have a feeling we'll see these characters again. <laughs> uh, that's, that's Fable and Ruins. And that was the start that kicked off Three Worlds, Three Moons. After this, we leave the Valar family and, uh, you know, a lot of our uh, different text pieces and a lot of the articles and, and world building pieces that they've, that they've dropped on the site uh, remind us that the Valar family is going to play, that that bloodline is going to play a significant role in the story to come. But meanwhile, the various artists and creators that have been jumping aboard have been giving us glimpses of the so much more world that there is to fill out because we still got to see the duels and the assassins and the rules that they follow when you are um, part of the Assassin's Guild in Air, which is the the moon that to fiery, which is the super hot world. And then there's the mining of the core on Akva that we still have to see. And then the lab and then the institute and then the transit. And there's a lot... <laughs> <laughs> all dished out in these six to eight page uh, set pieces with with uh, many of them with info 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 pages. I think this has been a fun journey so far for me. Um, I have been sometimes dismayed, but then usually I have my mind changed, become delighted because of the change of art styles, the change of settings, the it just all seems so big and so hard to follow, but but it seems to reward when you actually sort of like okay, roll up my sleeves, drink a cup of coffee, let's dig, let's dig in, let's go into these worlds. So hopefully this is fun. I mean, hopefully y'all will go with me if you are a subscriber or maybe I've you know um, sort of shown you enough that you can make a decision about whether you want to be that kind of a subscriber to Three Worlds and Three Moons and 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 get to all the um, paywall blocked material. Um, come dialogue with me come discourse with me about it here at the comic syllabus 
Um, I will be back in the next few days. It is spring break. Um, if you don't know, I am a teacher, and uh, like all the teachers that you're tired of hearing complain about it, I'm just super busy and super exhausted with teaching um, in our wonderful but very high needs school um, and, uh, and teaching at the university as well. So, uh, so I, but it is my spring break. <laughs> so I want to do some forays into the things that I've promised to talk about our graphic novels. Um, gotten some new ones too. want to talk about those too. So hang out, spread the word. Thank you for joining Comic Syllabus and take care. More Three Worlds Three Moons to come. More Substack comics to come. More reading widely and digging deep. All right? All right.